Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Cowden coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, we take a look at the 50 largest evangelism and discipleship organizations in the nation. We also have details regarding the suspension of celebrity pastor Albert Tate. And the state of California has sued pregnancy resource centers across that state. The lawsuit could have a chilling effect on pregnancy care centers around the country. And do you remember Mark Driscoll, the disgraced former pastor of Seattle's Mars Hill Church? Well, he's back, and we'll fill you in on what he's been up to. We begin today with Andy Stanley's controversial conference, Unconditional Love, which took place at Stanley's North Point Church near Atlanta last weekend. Marketing material for the conference said that it was designed for Christian parents with LGBTQ plus children ministry leaders, and healthcare professionals. And what's wrong with that? It seems like such a conference would meet a real need. Well, I think you're right, Natasha, except that uh, Stanley invited speakers who were either openly gay or gay-affirming and said that for gay men and women to remain chaste is simply not sustainable. Now, such comments drew uh, an immediate reaction from a wide variety of evangelical voices. Al Mohler, for example, wrote in World that Andy Stanley had departed from historical normative biblical Christianity. Stanley then responded to Al Mohler, saying that Mohler's version of Christianity is the problem. Uh, Sam Alberry, who has written and spoken a great deal about this topic, wrote for Christianity Today, when any leader suggests to me that chaste obedience to Christ in singleness is not sustainable, he is saying the very same thing to me that the devil does. And Denny Burke, who's the president of the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood and a professor at Southern Seminary, also criticized Andy Andy Stanley. He said, it's an anti-Christian message because it tells sinners that they don't need to repent of their sin in order to be a Christian. It's subversive because the message is cloaked in a veneer of Christianese. It's designed to persuade the consciences of Christians of a message that is incompatible with basic Christian teaching. And Ministry Watch weighed in on this topic as well. Well, we did. Uh, My friends and former colleagues at John Stone Street and Tim Paget over at the Colson Center uh, wrote an excellent critique of the conference for their website and radio program called Breakpoint.org. I was so taken by what they had to say that I asked if we could reprint their piece in Ministry Watch, and they graciously said yes, and you can find it there. And our listeners can read the entire article on our website, but what's the key idea? Well, John Stone Street and Tim Paget make a point that I had not seen elsewhere, and that is that you simply can't uncouple your theology from pastoral care. One of the speakers at the Unconditional Love Conference suggested that we needed to unhitch, that was his word, theology from pastoral care in order to meet people where they are. But Stone Street and Paget said that the point of pastoral care is not merely to meet people in their place of brokenness, but to lead them 
out of that place of brokenness to a place of healing. They say that pastoral care unhitched from theology is neither pastoral nor caring. It's a really thoughtful piece, and I recommend that our listeners, again, go to ministrywatch.com and read it. You can find it right on the front page. Well, let's pivot in our conversation and talk about pastor and author Albert Tate. He's a well-known author and church planter. He is all of those things. Now he's also on leave from his church after his board has determined that he made inappropriate uh, text messages and questionable comments. The church made the announcement last week. The statement did not say how long Tate would be on leave as he begins what they call a period of reflection, spiritual guidance, and restoration or what process would be used to see how Tate has experienced the grace, accountability, and redemptive power of Christ. Uh, Tate has a big presence in the evangelical world. He does. He's been busy and in demand as a speaker. Uh, His Amazon author page says that he's a teaching pastor at Willow Creek Church. He serves on the board of trustees at Azusa Pacific University and the advisory council of the Fuller Youth Institute. He's a board member of Stadia Church Planting Network and the Global Leadership Network, which used to be called the Willow Creek Association. He's also the CEO of The Greatest Story, uh, Discipling Out Racism, and and preaching mat, the preaching masterclass. Uh, he's uh, got leadership roles in a, two or three other organizations as well. Now, Tate has gone public uh, in the past with some of his personal struggles. He spoke at the Global Leadership Summit uh, this year, sponsored by the Global Leadership Network, and he said this, this year has been real, has been rough. Uh, some personal struggles, organizational struggles, challenges with navigating family and trying to find balance and priorities. If I'm honest, I've had a really hard year for about three years. Let's look at one more story before the break. It's a California case that could affect pregnancy resource centers around the country. California Attorney General Ron Bonta filed a lawsuit last week in Alameda County, California, seeking an injunction that would prevent pro-life ministries Heartbeat International and Real Options Obria Medical Clinics from advertising abortion pill reversal treatment. Heartbeat International has built an emergency network of medical professionals called the Abortion Pill Rescue Network, and Real Options Obria operates five crisis pregnancy centers in Northern California. The suit claims that these pro-life ministries have made untrue and misleading statements and engage in what they call fraudulent acts in an attempt to induce members of the public to undergo abortion pill reversal. The suit asks the court for an injunction preventing the pro-life groups from advertising what it calls an experimental abortion pill reversal procedure. Ed Martin is an attorney with the American Life League, and he believes the lawsuit is part of a growing trend by prosecutors to attack their political opponents through what he has called not warfare, but lawfare. Uh, He says that the lawsuit is an effort to chill free speech of pro-life groups who are trying to reach women and tell them about their options. As chemical abortions grow in number, Martin says that it is increasingly important 
important to protect the right of women to receive full information about those chemical abortions and how they can be reversed. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, we look at a couple of fast-growing ministries that donors should be watching. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hey everybody, Warren Smith here interrupting the podcast for a brief minute to let you know that uh, we have a a new gift to share with uh, anyone who makes a donation to Ministry Watch during the month of October. It's called 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry. Now this is a document that we actually produced in conjunction with Calvin Edwards and Company and the Strategic Resource Group uh, probably about a year ago, but we now have beautiful printed copies of this booklet, uh, and uh, I'd love to send you a copy. Just make a donation to Ministry Watch anytime during the month of October, and uh, you will get a free copy of that booklet as our thank you gift. I use that booklet every day here at Ministry Watch to ask some of the important and occasionally tough questions that we have to ask of ministries, and I strongly recommend that if you are a regular donor to Christian Ministries, that This is a booklet that you need to have, and uh, it's designed to be like a checklist that you can go through. And some of the questions may not be as important to you as others, but I think all of them are worth considering. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page, and uh, you'll have our thanks. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Up now, we take a look at a ministry that has tripled in size in the past five years. It's a missionary agency called EquipNet. EquipNet was started in 2000 by a former missionary, and it's tripled its revenue since 2017 from about $2 million to over $6 million. And any time a ministry grows that fast, it does end up on our radar screen. So what does the ministry do? It provides independent missionaries and small missions agencies with technology and donor services. Are there any problems with the ministry? Well, when Ministry Watch reached out to ask a few questions about its model for ministry for accomplishing those goals, EquipNet declined to answer our questions. It also concerns us that EquipNet does not belong to the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. It's uncommon for a ministry as large as EquipNet not to be a member of the ECFA, and it also doesn't publish its audited financial statements on its website. And we highlighted another ministry this week that we have concerns about. That's right, MAPS Global, which is based in Richmond, Virginia. The ministry's founder is a man named R.A. Martinez. Uh, MAPS Global is also a missions organization that says that it shares the gospel with people in the 1040 window. Uh, The 1040 window is that part of the world between latitude 10 and latitude 40. It's largely uh, Muslim-controlled part of the world. 
and um, there's been a lot of missionary efforts directed towards that area. The ministry has grown dramatically in recent years and now has about $3.5 million in revenue, has three international bases and nearly 100 missionaries, it says. They aim to plant seven bases and send 200 missionaries by the year 2028. And what are your concerns? Well, again, they are not members of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, though I will say in this case, Martinez says that he hopes to join the organization within the next few years. Until recently, the group had not even done an annual audit. In fact, when we asked for it, they said that they didn't have one. They also are incorporated as a church, so that means that they don't file a Form 990. That means that we can't see, for example, who its board members are or what the salaries of key executives are. So when you add all of that up, it's a lot of red flags. Well, speaking of red flags, let's turn our attention to Mark Driscoll. After the collapse of Mars Hill Church in Seattle nearly a decade ago, he's back, this time at a church in Phoenix. Yeah, the dramatic implosion of Mars Hill Church in Seattle took place in 2014. Um, Mark Driscoll was sort of an unapologetically confrontational preacher when he was at Mars Hill. He resigned uh, when church leaders accused him of abusive leadership and other issues, uh, but he and his family moved to Arizona. And now he's back in ministry. Yeah, he is. Less than two years, in fact, after his resignation from Mars Hill in 2016, he founded a church called the Trinity Church, which is in Scottsdale. That's an affluent suburb of Phoenix. Today, the church has about 2,000 in regular attendance, but many of the traits that got Mark Driscoll in trouble in Seattle are starting to show up in Scottsdale, according to observers of Mars Hill and Trinity Church. We have a lengthy profile of this new church. It's about 3,500 words, much too lengthy to recount in full here, but I do recommend you reading that, especially if you have uh, listened to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast or perhaps read some of the coverage that we have done of Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll over the years here at Ministry Watch. Warren, we're going to take another break. When we return, our lightning round of Ministry News of the Week. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hey everybody, Warren Smith once again. Just to remind you that during the month of October, we'll send you a copy of our booklet, 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry for a gift of any size to Ministry Watch. Uh, I, I do need to tell you too that October is often a slow month for us. I mean, it's kind of before the November, December year-end stuff. So if you've been thinking about giving to Ministry Watch, now would be a great time to do so. We would be very grateful and we'll send you this really valuable resource, 75 Red Flags to Consider before donating to a Christian ministry. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? 
Well, it's a new month and we have a new list. In fact, some of the stories that we've already talked about today, Natasha, the stories about the fast growth of some of these uh, missions organizations are a result of us doing these monthly lists and looking for organizations that sort of are out of the ordinary. Now, this month, we have a list of the 50 largest evangelism and discipleship ministries, uh, according to the Ministry Watch 1000 database. Anything special about this list? Well, yeah, we typically see very little movement uh, on our list from year to year because these are mostly large and well-established ministries. Crew, in fact, uh, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ, is so much larger than the others that it's been in the number one spot for the four years that we have been publishing this list. However, the number two ministry on the list, Young Life, saw dramatic growth during the past year. Its revenue increased by more than $100 million in a single year. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes also increased by about $20 million, or more than 10%, from the year before as well. In fact, one of the themes of the list this year has been significant growth among most of the ministries. Last year, the 50th largest ministry on this list had revenue of about $10 million. This year, number 50 had about $14 million. So it took $4 million additional dollars even to make the list this year. And there's some new ministries that made the list. There are. We've seen uh, seven new ministries make the list this year. They are the Strategic Resource Group, which debuted at number 16. I should say that SRG has been around for a while, but we just added them to our database. So it's not like that they have grown out of nowhere to number 16. But some of these other ministries have grown. Awana, for example, is now at number 22. Redeemer City to City, which is one of the uh, ministries founded by the late, great Pastor Tim Keller is number 23 on the list. One for Israel, Chosen Books, YWAM San Diego, and the Haggai Institute are all ministries that are new this year. Now, of course, if you've got only 50 on the list and you've got some new ones, that means that seven ministries have fallen off the list as well. And they include Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, Coalition for Christian Outreach, Cadence International, CBMC, which previously stood for Christian Businessmen's Committee, Alpha USA, and Messenger International, and JARS are all ministries that have fallen off the list this year. So these are the largest organizations, but are they the best? Well, no, they're not. Uh, this list should not, in fact, be interpreted as a list of recommended ministries. They're ranked by total revenue, not by ministry effectiveness, not by financial efficiency or by any other measure. That said, we do have the financial efficiency rating and the transparency grade and the donor confidence score of all the ministries that we've listed on the list itself. So if you want to find out whether, you know, we say give with confidence or withhold giving, you can certainly go to that list and uh, click on the name of the ministry and all of that information will pop right up. Who's in our ministry spotlight this week? 
I mentioned JARS a little bit ago. It had fallen off of the list of the 50 largest ministries, but we wanted to highlight JARS just because they've been around for so long, about 60 years. Uh, JARS began in 1963, so this, in fact, is their 60th anniversary year, to support Bible translation organizations and missionaries by transporting them to and from remote places. In fact, JARS originally stood for Jungle Aviation and Radio Service. So they were supporting missions organizations literally around the world, often using shortwave radio. The ministry's operations are carried out by about 85 employees and more than 500 volunteers. A large share of the people on the staff are pilots, aviation mechanics, and technical staff, but also logistical specialists, research and development program, and others. They do a lot of artificial intelligence in the Bible translation world down there as well. And there's since I live in Charlotte, Natasha, and their headquarters is in Waxhaw, North Carolina, which is just a suburb of Charlotte, I've been to their facility a number of times. It's really fascinating. One of the things that is fascinating about it is that they maintain a historical collection of artifacts and art objects that they call the Museum of the Alphabet. And I've taken my kids there on field trips. It's pretty amazing. JARS has revenue of about $6.5 million and gets a Give With Confidence score from Ministry Watch. And who did Christina highlight in Ministries Making a Difference? Representatives from the Jesus Film conducted a week-long training seminar for Christian leaders in the Central African country of Cameroon. About 25 participants learned how to work the uh, equipment that shows the Jesus film. They facilitated Bible study through oral storytelling and discussion and used other relevant resources for discipleship. And I also want to mention that Kathy and Jim Lowens opened Primrose Hill as an adult and teen challenge facility specifically for women and children. The 12-month residential program offers women who are overcoming addiction in the Midwest a beautiful 5,700-square-foot home to live in, nestled on 43 acres there. Adult and Teen Challenge uh, has long been a part of the Ministry Watch database. It has a donor confidence score of 70, which means that you can give with confidence. Ministry Watch often covers homeless shelters and rescue missions, but today you have one that has a program unlike any I've ever heard of. That's right. Again, this is something that Christina uncovered in her Ministries Making a Difference column. It's from City Union Mission, which is in Missouri. It announced a new gap year program. And you're right. I don't think I've ever heard of one like this either. To prepare low-income and disadvantaged young adults for the next steps towards either college or vocational life. City Union Mission, by the way, has an A transparency grade from Ministry Watch, which is our top grade, and a 90 out of 100 donor confidence score, which means that you can give with confidence to this ministry. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, it's uh, as I've said a couple of times already, Natasha, a new month. We're into October, and we have a new gift for our donors this month. Ministry Watch has published a booklet called 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry. Some of our listeners may know that we've actually had a PDF of that document on our website for a while, but we've now got some really beautiful hardcover, uh, not hardcover, but but printed paper uh, versions of 
this document, and we'll send it to you. This booklet is our thank you for any gift to Ministry Watch during the month of October. It's a great tool for Christian donors. I use that booklet just about every day here at Ministry Watch to help me evaluate ministries by asking some of the important and tough questions that we need to ask of ministries before we make decisions to give to them. To get your copy of 75 Red Flags, just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Liz Lincolns, Chris Moody, John Stone Street, Timothy Paget, Kim Roberts, Catherine Post, Steve Raby, Christina Darnell, and Rod Pitzer. A special thanks to Religion Unplugged and Breakpoint with the Colson Center for Christian Worldview for contributing materials for this week's podcast. You've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.